I'd like to turn our attention to the scripture passage for today uh, that comes to us from the book of Exodus, the second book of the Bible. The book of Exodus and the chapter 33. And once you found it, or it's back there, um, I invite you to stand with me for the reading of God's word. So Exodus chapter 33, starting in verse 1. And then the Lord said to Moses, leave this place, you and the people you brought up out of Egypt, and go up to the land I promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, I will give it to your descendants. I will send an angel before you and drive out the Canaanites, Amorites, Hittites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. Go up to the land flowing with milk and honey but I will not go with you because you're a stiff-necked people and I might destroy you on the way. And then skipping to verse 14, the same chapter, the Lord replied, my presence will go with you, speaking to Moses, and I'll give you rest. And then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you have asked because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. A number of years ago, uh, I was at this retreat, and my, f- my friend was also there, and we had this um, uh, this this time of prayer. And he's a pretty he's a pretty jagged guy. Uh, he was going to church for a little while, and but he was never really like really um, into it. And I remember one night we were praying, and I looked at him. I looked at him. He was praying, and he looked completely stunned, flabbergasted. He was on his knees. And just tears streaming down his face. He was getting emotional. And I, at the time, I'd been a Christian for a number of years. So I was a little bit like, you know, I, I've been here, done that. Um, and I was looking at him, I was like, wow, like I've never seen him like that. And he was just stunned. And his, his face was, was shining. And I was amazed. And afterward, we were talking, after the time of prayer, we were talking. And he said, I never felt anything like that in my entire life. And that's the whole kind of thesis of even the Bible. The whole drive of, of God's actions in history. You might, one might say that it was for him to want, because he wanted to be with us intimately and have a relationship with us. And the Bible also talks about how there are so many obstacles to that. But as I remember those, that time, and as I, as I think about the wonderful and amazing presence of God, that brings healing, that gives power, that encourages you in times of darkness. I also remember what I know of the the Old Testament, what I know of the Bible in general, is that in the day, in Israel, 
the way that Israel understood the presence of God is very different from the way we understand it. Like, if you want to attribute, if you're thinking like, God, God is good, right? He's all, of course he's good. He's gracious. He's, he's all that. The presence of God is amazing. If you think that, it's only because of Jesus. Because Israel, the way Israel understood the presence of God was radically different. The way they understood it was, it was a frightening thing. It was a dangerous thing to be in the presence of God. One does not come into the presence of God and live to tell of it. When God's presence came on the mountain, it shook the mountain. And, and, and it, was, it, was, it, was, it was dangerous even to go near the mountain. No one was even allowed to touch the mountain. Think about some of these um, passages, right? I'm not reading them, but I'll give you the stories, right? Do you guys remember the story of when... when uh, when Moses and God brought the plagues on Egypt, remember the last plague, which was the, the death of the firstborn, which is really scary, right? And sometimes we forget that what God did there was, it was simply, he called it the angel of death and the presence of God was sweeping through Egypt, right? That very presence was so dangerous that he tells the Israelites, if you want to protect yourself, take the blood of a lamb and put it on your doorpost so that when I see it, I'll pass over. Right? It's dangerous. Here's another dangerous thing. When the Bible says constantly, no one may see my face and live. And so when everybody was, was, anybody was met with the angel of the Lord, and they were, they were having what they call a theophany, an experience of the presence of God, what would they do? They would cover their faces. They'd be like, oh my gosh, I'm a dead man. And they would fall to their, they'd fall on their faces because they didn't want to be ruined in this way. It's foreign to us. It's foreign to me. And when I read these things, I'm like, man, that's, that's crazy. That's, that's weird. But this happened. Um, but God's plan and desire throughout all of that was to bring his presence to us, unbroken and forever. And the way that we know that is this, that even though there was this angel of death, that God made a way through the blood of a lamb. And even though there was a burning bush where God tells Moses, and Moses is freaked out, right? He sees this burning bush and he hears the voice of God. He tells him to take off his sandals. Why would he do that? unless he wanted to be closer to Moses. And what is the symbol of the burning bush? But that it's you and me, who's, who's, who are people on fire, but not consumed. It was a plan of God all along, that even though he says, no one may see my face and live, and any time that happened, the angel of the Lord would approach the man or the woman that he met and say, do not be afraid. Yeah, it's dangerous, but I don't want you to be afraid. You can even see the danger of the, the presence of God in Jesus' ministry. I mean, sometimes we don't see this, but there's a scene in the New Testament, especially in the book of Mark, in the Gospel of Mark, where Jesus is being, um, he's being inaugurated as the Son of God. And he comes and he's being baptized. You remember that? And And... The Bible says in Mark, it says that the heavens were torn open. And the way you read that as a Jewish person is, 
he's a dead man, right? Like, if you don't know who Jesus is, you don't know the whole story, you're looking at this like, whoa, this is dangerous. But then what happens next? The angel, the, the Holy Spirit comes upon him as a dove, gentle. She tells you a different story about Jesus's. And so it's a paradox, right? Like, Acts chapter 2, and I'm sorry, I'm going through all these passages like really quickly, but Acts chapter 2, in the day of Pentecost, when the, the apostles were praying and the Holy Spirit comes upon them and gives them power, do you guys remember what, how the Spirit was described? A mighty rushing wind. And so when you're reading that, when you're thinking that, you're thinking, they're dead, <laughs> right? Like, this is dangerous. And then what happens? Tongues of fire. God's presence. So dangerous, but so gentle. The, 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 so the thing that I want to convince you of today is that we really, more than anything in this moment, in this time, today, what we really need is the presence of God in our lives, personally. Now, I know the problem here. You're, you're thinking, but well, we're, we're, Jim, we're Christians. Like, you know, we, we have the Holy Spirit. Come on. Like, we have the Holy Spirit. What are you talking about? We're already filled with the Spirit. He's always with us, right? And, and this is interesting. Like, I, I, was, I used to run this uh, men's group. And um, we would meet in people's homes. And one of my friends, he had a, a roommate who was not, not like a believer or a Christian or anything. But he would join our Bible studies. And one time we were talking about this presence of God. And he's like, and he studied philosophy. So he's like, isn't God om- om- omnipresent? Like, God's everywhere. What do you mean, like, God is with us? Or may he be with us when you pray that? What does that even mean? And um, I, I didn't know how to answer. Honestly, I was, I was kind of stuck. I was like, yeah, that's a good point. Um, but then something clicked in my head. And I thought, you know, hey, you can be in a room with somebody, right? And you can be with them. And you cannot be with them. And in a lot of ways, sometimes we're, we're, yeah, God is with us. But are we with him? And, and another, way to, another way to think about this is sometimes my, my wife, she'll, she'll say, let's go on a date. Uh, let's, let's spend time together. And I'm like, we work together. I mean, like, we work, in this, we work from home, okay? We both work remotely. And I, I eat with you, and, you know, we have our water breaks, and, you know, we have our chats. And she says, no phones, no PS4 controller, <laughs> no, no laptop, and, um, yeah, just you and me. And I'm like, so you want to live in the 90s, right? We're going to go back to the 90s, right? This is what this is about. Um, I'll, I'll go get my tight fade, put on my Air Force Ones, and, my baggy jeans, and we'll go and, um, so this is what I mean, like, we're together, but what I mean, what I'm talking about when I talk about the presence of God today is, is that togetherness, that withness with the Lord. The thing, the, the problem with, um, the problem with that request no phones, no games, no books, no laptops, no nothing. Face to face, eye to eye. The problem with that, like, why would anybody have to request that of me? This is the problem. 
if it's that hard for us to be with each other, you and me, us, how much more difficult do you think it is to be with God? To be with Him face to face, eye to eye, heart to heart, person to person. It's hard. I can see you. You can literally slap me in the face and be like, hey, pay attention. I'd be like, all right, okay. But God is invisible. We're visual creatures. And then I think that it's much harder for us to be attentive to him. I want to convince you to pursue the presence of God today based on some of the things that we read in the text. In verse 33, 2, I just want to remind you, it says, I will send an angel before you and drive out the Canaanites, Amorites, Hittites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. Israel and, and Moses said, don't send us up from here. After, after God says this to them, get, get out of here, go. You, wanna, you want it your way? Go, I will give you success. I will give you everything you want. I will defeat your enemies. You won't have any problems along the way. The path will be golden before you. They'll all be taken care of. I'll send even my angel, my, my best ambassador for you but I won't go. And what does Israel reply? What does Moses reply? They say, I won't go. We won't go. We won't go unless you're with us. Why? This is what we learned from Israel. They wanted God's presence more than they even wanted success. They wanted God's presence even more than they wanted success. And and Moses especially. And this this is the crazy thing is that, I don't know if you're, if you're like me at all, um, let's think about Moses, okay? Moses, he tried, he tried to help his people. And he failed. Do you remember that? Where he was like, man, I'm a, I'm a Jew. And, and they're, my people are enslaved. And he, he goes and ends up trying to save them. And he fails miserably. And he disappears for 40 years, right? So men do, right? We just disappear. We go in our cave. We go become shepherds. And, you know, when we feel like we haven't lived up to the standards of society of our own selves, it breaks us. And Moses was broken. And what he wanted was to succeed in some way. And so when God tells him, I'll give you the success you want, I'll give you the the desire of your heart, what does Moses say? He says, no. That's that's astounding to me. As a man, as a a person who, who is so afraid of failure, as a person who is, who so wants to be successful, I look at Moses and I think, how did you do that, man? And I think that it's, it's Moses' life. When he realized through his failure was that no matter what I do, it won't mean anything if it's not with you. It's like the Alicia Keys song, right? Right? If I ain't got you, everything means nothing if I ain't got you. Like this is basically what what Moses is saying to God. I don't want success. I don't want glory. I don't want to win if you're not in it. How many of us are winning right now? Right? You don't have to raise your hand. Some of us are winning. Right? You're at that pinnacle. Let me ask you, is the presence of God with you in that? Have you said, even before all of your endeavors, God, if it's not with you, 
I don't want it. Because if it pushes me farther from you, I don't want it. But if you're in it, I'll know I'll go to you and not away from you. How many of us are there? Some of us are in places of the valley, right? Where we're learning this. We're learning this this thing of God's presence, of needing him on the journey. And I think that's what Moses, if, if Moses got anything from being a shepherd for 40 years, in the wilderness it's this, is that I can do nothing apart from him. I don't want to do anything apart from him. Is God your means to your end? Is he the, the stepping stone to the things that you want? Or is he the thing that you want? Is he the end of your, of, of your life? The desires of your heart? This is a big challenge for, all, for any of us. Exodus 33, 1 and 3. It says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Leave this place, you and the people you brought up out of Egypt. Go up to the land I promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, saying, I will give it to your descendants. And then verse 3, Go up to the land flowing with milk and honey, but I will not go with you because you're a stiff-necked people, and I might destroy you on the way. This is... Yeah, this is crazy. Yeah, it's, it's, it's rough, right? It's like, my presence is just too strong for you. You guys are not on my level yet, right? Like, I, don't, I can't, we can't do this. What I learned from this is that Israel wanted it more than the promised land. They wanted God's presence. They pursued him more. They, they wanted him more than the thing that they left Egypt for. What was the purpose of all that? What was the purpose of leaving Egypt? What was the purpose of living in the desert? I don't know how many of you are in the desert right now, like in a wilderness. Some of you may feel like that. Like, man, I feel so dry. I feel so like I'm just not going anywhere with my life. And in that moment, Moses was able to stand up and say, I'm going to stay here if it's not with you. I don't know what your promised land is. Maybe it's a fancy home. Maybe it's a happy family or a comfortable retirement or freedom from something in your life. But are we experiencing God's presence even now when you don't have those things? The, the, the singer, um, songwriter, Israel Hooten, he has a song, your presence is heaven to me. Your presence is heaven to me. He, he's basing it off of this text. What Moses is essentially saying to God is this, that there is no promised land if you're not there. And so in, in our context, like a lot of people, uh, I know I've been afraid of this, this, this afterlife, right? I've had fears of it. But what if, what if this question was brought to you? If, if, God, if you found out later that God was, and Jesus was in hell, and you, would, you, would you still follow him? Would you still be with him there? That's a trick question. Because when Jesus tells his people, he says, you know where the kingdom of God is? If somebody tells you the kingdom of God is here or there, don't believe them. The kingdom of God is in your midst. I am in your midst. My presence is is the kingdom. It's the, it's the heaven that you've been longing for. Don't be fooled. 
Thirdly, in, in, uh, and we're going to go a little bit back now to verse 30, uh, chapter 32, verse 32. This is interesting. Why you should pursue the presence of God. Pursue it. So it says, uh, Moses said to God, not please forgive their sin, but if not, then blot me out of the book you have written. Right? And then, he, and then in verse 33, um, I'm sorry, verses uh, 14 to 15 of chapter 33, says, the Lord replied, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. And this is interesting, right? He says, you, singular in Hebrew. Then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, plural, do not send us up from here. And this is, okay, I'm going to stop right there. Moses does something radical. Something that I have this thing, I have this issue where like, I pray a lot for myself. I pray more for myself than I do for other people. It's just a confession. I feel like I have a lot of problems and a lot of things that I got to deal with. And I know some of you feel that way. But Moses is in a position where he says, take away my afterlife and give it to them. Man, that's radical. Like Paul says the same thing. Paul says in Romans chapter 9, verse 3, and it's not up there, but I have it here. For I, I could wish that I myself were cursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, for my own flesh and blood, the people of Israel. Paul said the same thing as Moses said. He says, if it's not with them, I don't want to go. The promised land, heaven, the kingdom of heaven, whatever it is, Lord God, send them, even if you have to forget about me. What I love about that is that Moses wanted it for Israel more than his own self. And I believe that God is moved by that. Why do I think God is moved by that? I think that's because when we do that, when we pray like that, when our hearts are like that, when we love people that much, that we're willing to pray for them, a better life for them than even for me, it reminds God of himself because that's how he is. He says, I do that. I'm like that. I think that, and I believe that anguish for the church, for the church of Jesus Christ, his body, the, the, the bride that he had died for, is a prerequisite to, the, to truly experiencing the presence of God. If our hearts don't break for the church, if our hearts don't break for those who don't know God, and if we're not giving ourselves to that, can we really experience the presence of God? And also, um, in verse 17 of 33, the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you have asked because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. I think that it's really important to pursue the presence of God. I see that here because it pleases God. We just sang a song, you will find me if you seek me with all your heart. That's a promise of God. It's from the word. He promised that to us. It's kind of like this. Like, um, Do you guys remember in, in junior high or high school um, when you had a crush? A, bi- a big crush? And you were crushing and, and then... Uh, Imagine that crush, that feeling you had, and looking at pictures of that person or um, thinking about that person. It makes you feel good, right? Like, oh, wow, like, 
fantasizing, whatever. It's a very different thing when you're sitting next to that person. Like, thinking about and, and, and dreaming about that person is one thing. But when you're sitting next to that person, just sweat. Sweat drops, you know, like anxiety, right? Just, just tension. And the interesting thing about those interactions is, at the beginning of those interactions, I don't know if you're like me, I get very nervous, right? Um, you're not yourself. You're really not yourself. Like, maybe it's a good thing, <laughs> right? Like, they really know how you are. I don't, I don't know what's going to happen. But, um, but to be yourself takes time, right? Like, you have to be around that person a lot, and finally things start coming out, right? Like, the way you really talk, uh, the way you really think, the songs you really like. And God says to Moses, I will do what you want. And he says, because I know you by name. He's saying, you risked the fear of knowing me. And you got over the anxiety of talking with me and spending time with me. And you pursued me to the point where now I know who you really are because you're not just saying prayers like, oh, heavenly father, right? Like, it's, there's no barrier. You're face to face with me. You're no longer being fake. And then Moses fires back and he says, if that's true, then show me your glory. Show me more of you. And God is pleased when we seek his face because it tells him that I want you for you. You know, when you, when you, when you really love somebody, you don't love them because they're beautiful or because they're wealthy. When you really love somebody, you love them for them, whether they have those things or not. Because you know them by name and they know you by name and nobody else. There's intimacy there. And so you might think like, but yeah, I mean, that sounds good, but that sounds kind of mushy. Or I, I really don't understand that because I don't really feel that. Um, and I, I felt the same way 20 years ago when I became a Christian. I, I believed in Jesus, and I was so excited about Jesus, but I didn't really love him. Like, that's just not how I'm made. I don't feel mushy and sentimental like that. I'm kind of like, I grew up in tough love, right? And so when I, when I sang these songs, it didn't feel like I really meant them. Or when I heard these sermons, I, I was like, man, I, I wish I loved Jesus like that. I don't, I don't feel like I love him like that. And I thought there was something wrong with me, and I really doubted my faith for, for a while, for a number of years. And I think it's because every time I looked at my life and my past, I just saw me, just this dude trying to make it in life, just blindly trying to make it and trying to survive. Fast forward 20 years, and now I look back, and I see my whole life, and I see him every step of the way in all of my failures and all the times when I was weeping and laughing and all the times that I felt victorious and all the times I felt success and all the times I felt lonely, he was there. And it's that time together that finally I can say today, yeah, Lord, I love you. I love you. It doesn't matter where I am. I love you for you. Even though that's not how I am. 
because you're always with me and I know you'll always be with me. The presence of God, practicing the presence of God, pursuing his presence is to drown out all the, the dirt in our lives and the lies and, and the bad decisions and all that stuff with him. And the people who've hurt us with him. And that brings me to the next point. God's presence brings transformation. In, uh, after this passage, in, in, uh, in chapter 34, um, it's an interesting passage. Moses, it's, a, it's about Moses. And in, in verse 29 of 34, it says, um, When Moses came down from the Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the covenant in his hands, he was not aware that his face was radiant because he had spoken with the Lord. When Aaron and all the Israelites saw Moses, his face was radiant and they were afraid to come near him. The last thing is this, like we pursue the presence of God. Because if you think, if you and I, we think that we can change, really change from our hearts on our own, I personally think it's not possible. It's like this. If you want to, um, if you want to get into a new field, you got to hang out with people in that field, right? If you want to learn about sports, you got to hang out with people who know the sport. Uh, if you want to learn anything, if you want to change into anybody, you got to hang out with those people. It's people and the presence of people that transform us, and it's the presence of God that makes us more like Him. And if you think about it. When the whole, when Jesus says, when, when, not Jesus, but Paul talks about it in Galatians chapter 5, he says, these are the fruits of the Spirit. These are the fruit of the Spirit. You, you need, if you're in the presence of God and you're walking in the Spirit, this is the fruit that you'll bear in your life. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. How do you do that? Miraculously? Magically? No. You do that because the more you spend time with God in His presence, the more of Him rubs off on you. His self-control, His ability to discern, His wisdom becomes your wisdom. And so, you know, you and I think, yeah, I love you, God. And it's, it's paradoxical because we're like, God, I love you and I, and I want to follow you. I don't care about the success. I don't care about my promised land and all the things that I want for my life. If you're not in it, I'd rather be poor. I'd rather have nothing as long as I'm with you. And the paradox of that, the ironic thing about that is the more you spend time with God, the more you become a person who builds success around you, the more that you become a person that wherever you go is the promised land, that you bring wholeness with you and that peace of God with you and wisdom with you because he's changed you by his presence. And you're like, how am I different? My own life. I can only give credit to God. I was a high school dropout. I was always self-conscious about that. I had not lived the right life for a long time. I followed after my father who was, uh, who was a drug addict and in and out of prison. I remember visiting him in prison as a young boy, talking to him through, a glass, through the glass and on the phone and him telling me how strong of a man I need to become. Divorce. And I look back in the last 20 years at who I could have and I should have become, in jail or dead or something. And I look at 
where I'm standing now giving the pure and holy word of God to my friends and family, I think that's you, God. It's your presence in my life. The, the little bits, the two or three or four hours a week that I've had of you in my life has changed me. And I thank you for giving me what I could have never had on my own. And that's the promise that he gives, not just to me, but to you. No matter where you are, no matter if you've had a perfect family, You and I, we have, and we can have the heart that Moses had, even more than he did, because of Christ. The Hebrew of the word presence means face. Literally means like, if your face does not go with us, it's kind of weird, right? Like, just imagine a face just going throughout the ancient Near East. Um, it's kind of bizarre, but your face does not go with us, and 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 like. The face of God. I think about, when I think about the face, for some reason when I think about this, I think of, of Isaiah chapter 53. When, when Isaiah is prophesying and he's talking about the Messiah. And he's saying, this Messiah, he's not anybody you want to even look at. He has no, he's not beautiful. He is actually broken. He's actually gnarled. And stricken and, gr- and grieved. That's his face. And then I fast forward in my mind. This is how my mind works. And I fast forward and I, and I look at Jesus and I see what they did to his face. What we did to his face. When the Roman soldiers slapped him and spit on his face and they mocked him. And I think, that's his face. It's like you don't touch anybody's face. And that's the presence of God. Jesus said this. He says, if you see me, you've seen the Father. The very presence of God. He's saying, you've seen my face. And his face was broken in that day. And I think, now I understand what the presence of God is. Now that I kind of understand, I think what he, why that happened was he was saying, he was willing to be one of us that no matter how hard he tried to bring us up to him in his presence, we wouldn't go. And so he says, I'll go to you. And my presence and my face will be beaten up so that you could feel good about your ugly face. And that's his love for us. In that, and in Jesus, and in his blood, and in his life, and his suffering, he comes to us. And he says, I'm with you. And I'm with you forever. And I won't leave you. Are you with me? Will you pursue me? And it's easy. You don't have to come to a mountain. You don't have to go through Moses. You don't even have to follow every single thing in this, in this, in this word. You just have to turn to me and be with me. And I'll do the work. Maybe at 10, 20, 30 years, I will do the work. I just want you. Do you just want me? I'd like to invite you to pray with me. And if you will, if you feel comfortable, would you just stand with me? And...
I just wanted to pray. I just had this sense that um, that some of us we we um, <clears throat> a lot of times we feel also the fear this fear of abandonment. Um, I just sense God speaking in my heart about that. I didn't talk about it in the sermon, but I want to talk about it now. A lot of us are afraid of being abandoned. Uh, that goes without saying, because we've been abandoned, because it's scary. You know, maybe we've had bad experiences growing up. Um, because of that fear, we react, and we reach out to things that are not good for us, um, and we don't pursue the one that we should. want to say to you by the Holy Spirit and according to the word of God that the presence of God means no more abandonment it means never being alone ever again it means that you can be in any situation experience all the rejection and still have incredible joy and peace you know he'll never leave you. And that's the promise of the gospel. And I want to instill that in you today, that if you forget everything that I say, just remember, the presence of God means no more abandonment in your life. He will do the work. He will fill you with all good things. Will you trust in him this day? Please allow me to pray for you. Father God, you know us by name. Lord, we turn to you right now. We, we put aside all the, the other thoughts, and the technology and all this stuff that kind of just distracts us from you, Lord. And we want to seek your face. We want to seek your face, O God of Jacob. God of Abraham, God of Isaac. Pray for your Holy Spirit. That you would just fill us with your presence, Lord. And change us from the inside out. God, yes, we've been, yeah, we've just gone our own way and sometimes we forget and we just take this idea of the presence of you for granted. But God, we want you. Yeah, yeah, the successes are good. And yeah, yeah, the things that we want, we do really want those things. It's hard to get away from that. But God, more than anything, we've learned anything from the life of Moses and of Joseph and David. We learned that better is one day in your house than a thousand elsewhere. Better is a minute with you. thank you. I pray that for this community, this church, that we would pursue your presence in all that we do. And that you would go before us, Lord, and go with us. And may we go with you, Lord. 
Lord Jesus, thank you for the sacrifice you gave. Thank you for, for your love and your compassion. Thank you that you wanted your presence to be with us more than even we wanted it. And I pray that you would astound us this, in this new year, in the new year of 2019. Astound us, Father God, with your presence. Surprise us, Father. In the moments when we even don't even expect it, Lord, may you show up. Bring healing, Lord. Bring, bring yourself, Lord. Teach us your ways so that we might be more like you. God, thank you for this church. May it be a church filled with your presence. Every Sunday, every home group, Lord, every gathering we have, Lord, in our marriages, with our children, Father, in our relationships, in our families, in our jobs, your presence be with us, Lord, because you promised it. So we'll hold you to that. God, we love you. We thank you. We ask these things in the precious name of Jesus Christ, your Son. Amen.